chapter shortly. But I did want to make a quick announcement. Um, Rosemary Kleckler had an operation. I think she had to have one of her thyroids removed or something like that. My wife just briefly told me. And she is recovering. She's doing well. But I just want to encourage you to be praying for her uh, that she, you know, continues to recover well. So I guess her recovery is going slow. So I just want to encourage you to lift up Rosemary Kleckler, if you would. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity to draw close to you. We thank you for that invitation. And Father, I thank you that you are showing us how to do that even more and more. And giving us the grace and the desire to draw close to you. And that's what I pray for even again, Lord. That our desire for your presence, our desire to draw close to you on a daily basis will intensify and increase in our lives. That we will be intentional in drawing close to you. And we will push aside any hindrances and the things that will try to entangle us or set us back or keep us from drawing close to you, Father. Thank you for your grace again. And thank you for this time. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you to teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to share today that the, the, if you want to put a title on the sermon, it's called It's Time to Press In. It's Time to Press In. And some of you may hear every once in a while from, the, from uh, maybe Todd when he's leading worship. He'll say, come, as they're leading worship, he'll say, come on, church, let's press in. Anybody ever heard that? Does that sound familiar? Anybody? Okay, it's like, what does he mean by that? What does it mean to press in, you know, in worshiping? I mean... What is he talking about? And that's what I want to talk about today. Pressing in. I'm starting in Luke chapter 8. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to write down for your notes, the woman with the issue of blood in Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And a woman who had suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years and had spent all of her living upon physicians and could not be healed by anyone, came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who is it that touched me? When all were denying it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, the multitudes surround you and press you on every side. But Jesus said, No, someone did touch me, for I perceive that healing power has gone forth from me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came up trembling and falling down before Jesus. She declared in the presence of all the people for what reason she had touched him and how she had been instantly cured. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith your confidence and trust in me has made you well. Go, enter into the peace, untroubled, undisturbed, well-being. Read now the Amplified Version. We're all familiar with the story. Woman had challenges for 12 years uh, with bleeding, went to all the doctors, spent all her money, and she couldn't get better. She wasn't getting any better. But somehow she came to the realization or the knowledge or whatever. We don't know how she came to this conclusion, but she knew if she would just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And now the situation is, is she's considered unclean because she's bleeding. So in the Jewish law, she's unclean. So she's not supposed to be touching anybody. And especially a religious leader. Especially. And that's why she was afraid. See, because her goal was to get in, touch, and get out, and get on with her life. But she was discovered because Jesus said, wait a minute, somebody touched me. And she realized that she was discovered. But here's the interesting thing about her situation. 
You know, when, she, when Jesus said, who touched me? You know, Peter thought Jesus was having a senior moment or something. He's like, what are you talking about? Because the crowds were, you know, Jesus was walking through and the crowds of people were pressing him on every side, Peter said. People are pressing you on every side. And you're asking, who touched you? Are you kidding me? That's my paraphrase. That's not in the word. And so if you can, if you can imagine the scene, Jesus is walking through a bunch of people because it's fame. You know, people, more and more people are knowing about Jesus. And so they're crowding around him, pressing him, maybe sticking their children up in his face so that he can bless their children. Or maybe they just wanted him to touch them so they can be healed. Whatever their reason was, there was a bunch of people surrounding and pressing in on Jesus. And so for this lady to make her way to Jesus, knowing that what she was doing was illegal, she pressed her way in through the crowd. I don't think she was saying, oh, I guess I can't get through because it's too crowded. There's too many people around him. But she was probably fighting her way in, pushing people, elbowing people out of the way to get in to touch Jesus. She was pressing in. She wasn't going to let anybody, any circumstances, any law, anything stop her from pressing in and getting a hold of Jesus. And so when when Todd says, you know, at worship, he says, come on, saints, let's press in. That's a picture. That's the picture. I want to encourage everybody to stay focused right now. Okay, and there's a lot of distractions, but what I'm sharing is I really believe is important. So I just want to encourage you to stay focused with me. Look at the man in the red shirt. That's why I wore the shirt. So it'd be easy to. I'm just kidding. Because I do want to share this. I want to share what God's put on my heart. This has been burning in me for the last couple of weeks. And then I want to get right back into worship. And, and you'll understand why we're doing things in this order. So when you hear that, let's press in. When I encourage you, come on, saints, let's press in. When it, as far as worship's concerned, that picture of that woman is what I want you to imagine. And I want you to be that woman. That nothing is going to distract you, stop you, slow you down, or hinder you from getting close to Jesus and grabbing a hold of him. That's the kind of tenacity. And see, that's the kind of faith, because Jesus told the woman, your faith has made you well. That's the kind of thing that always got Jesus' attention. He was always moved with faith. This woman knew she was going against the culture, against the laws, but she was not going to be denied. And Jesus stopped because someone had touched him. Although many people were touching him, someone had touched him. And that got his attention. Luke chapter 18, verse 35, there's another familiar story. The blind man, I call it the blind man shouting at Jesus. Verse 35, it says, as they approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was going by. So he began shouting. Rats. I wanted to, I don't want to shout right now because I'm wearing this and I don't want to blow up anything. But the man began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Imagine him shouting, screaming. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowds ahead of Jesus tried to hush the man. It's like, shh, come on, man, shh, calm down. And it says the man shouted even louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. 
then, then Jesus asked the man, what do you want me to do for you? So here was another man. He couldn't see what was going on, but he heard a commotion. And he asked somebody, hey, what's going on? They said, Jesus is coming through. Jesus. So he began to shout, scream, make a bunch of noise. He began to draw attention to himself. And he was embarrassing the other people. Come on, we don't act like that. They're trying to get him to hush. And they said he even cried out even more. He was yelling at Jesus, shouting to him. And the cool thing is, Jesus did not ignore him. But he said, bring the man. It says he commanded them, bring the man to me. The man came to him, and then we know the rest of the story. He told Jesus what he wanted. Jesus touched and healed him. I'm going to ask you a question and, and, and ask you to imagine the situation with me. You are standing there. You're in a very busy city, whether it's New York, Atlanta, uh, L.A., Chicago. But you're in a busy downtown metropolis area, and there's a huge parade. Kind of like the Thanksgiving parade, Macy's, parade, whatever. There's a big parade going on. And you're on one side of the street. And on the other side of the street, maybe it's from here to the sound booth. There's a big, because of roads and everything. But on the other side of the street, you see someone that you recognize. And you desire to get over to them. <clears throat> but now between you and that person is this huge parade. And then there's, there's, a, there's a law and ordinance that if you, you know, cross the street during the parade... There's a $1,000 fine. But you see that person and you really want to get to them. And in this prayer, there's all these beautiful floats and, and, and people throwing out candy, you know. And so in front of you, there's, there's children, there's, there's crowds of people that are between you and that person on the other side of the street. And you desire to get to that person on the other side of the street. What are you going to do? Beautiful floats. <laughs> Do we have security here? <clears throat> now, one thing I do want to mention, this person that's over on the other side of the street that you have a desire to get to, they have a blank check in their pocket that's written out for $2 million. The reason why I say it's blank, as far as who it's written to, is blank. Because they haven't determined who they're going to give the $2 million to yet. But there's like five people that qualify to get this $2 million check, and you're one of those people. The first person, and the other four besides you are somewhere in that crowd. And the first person that gets to that man gets the $2 million check. Things have changed, haven't they? See, at first you were somewhat committed, like, eh, you know, person over there, I can give him a call. But all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, if I get to that person first, I get $2 million. And they're only just a few feet away from me. But you realize that if you cross in front of the parade and everything, that you can, you risk the possibility of getting fined $1,000. $1,000, $2 who cares, right? Now, let me ask you this, though. What is going to be your attitude towards getting to that person? You will not be denied, will you? You will not be denied. 
Matter of fact, most of you already have that check. I mean, you're not even letting me finish. You already got it cashed and ready to spend. That, that picture right there of how you would aggressively, unashamedly go after that person to get that check. That's the kind of invitation we have to go after our king, Jesus. Now, unfortunately, we don't have the same passion to go after him as we would a $2 million check. But as our mindset changes and our hearts change and we see the real reality, and we see that going after him is worth a whole lot more than $2 million, then we're going to aggressively pursue him. And we have that opportunity every single week on a Sunday morning We have an opportunity to aggressively go after him, to press in, to get a hold of Jesus and love on him and let him have his way. You know, we are a church. We say we want the presence of God in this place. That is our value. It's becoming more of a value here and it's going to increase in value is we want the presence of God in this place. And I'm not talking about just the just the presence of God that we experience anywhere in the world because God is all all present. He's um, all present. He's everywhere. But we're talking about the kind of presence in the Bible where it says he inhabits the praises of his people. He shows up. He comes and dwells in the praises of his people, of, of people who praise God. God shows up in a special way. He manifests his presence. And we know when God shows up, things change. My life begins to change. Whether it's I come under conviction. And I begin to be sorry for the sin that I've been holding on to. And I I just lay it down and say, God, I want you more than this sin. I value you more. I want to honor and please and draw close to you. And of course, we don't have to wait and we shouldn't wait. We'll talk about that in a second for one day a week. But at least on Sunday, when we come together as a church family, we ought to take every advantage of this opportunity to press in. To press in, just like the woman with the issue of blood, she pressed in even though it was illegal and she got what she needed. The blind man, he pressed in by yelling and screaming, got Jesus' attention. And just like Lisa was saying last week, she felt like the Lord was encouraging us, just like children, when they want their parents' attention, they do whatever they need to do to get your attention. Sometimes it may be naughty stuff. They may, be, they may do something bad, but it's like, well, at least I got daddy's attention. But they'll yell, they'll scream, they'll dance, they'll do backflips or whatever to get mommy and daddy's attention. And it could be just, oh, daddy, I love you. You know, it's, 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 it's really cool sometimes when I'm coming home and I'm walking in the yard up to the front porch and I'll hear, daddy's home. And all of a sudden you hear, boom, 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 boom. It's heard. Yeah, I have a herd. And the dogs will come running, too, because they're like, what's going on? What's going on? So it's this commotion, this loud commotion that I can hear from one part of the house, just running to the front of the house. Come in and you get mauled with all these hands and and someone hanging from your neck and all that kind of thing. And as a parent, how does that make you feel? Feels pretty good, doesn't it? Pretty awesome. And you know what? When I do come home like that, they don't say, oh, daddy, would you get me? Now, when I come home from a trip, of course, daddy, they're happy to see me. What would you bring me? 
But when I come home from work, they know I don't have anything, but they're still happy to see me. And I think it blesses God when we have the opportunity and all of a sudden the praise music starts up and all of a sudden God hears this herd and new covenant fellowship of people boom, 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 just running towards God, lifting up our hands, say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And a lot of times without us even asking him, he says, look what I brought you. But it's okay to ask as well. It's time to press in, church. It's time to be known without telling anybody. My desire is for our reputation to precede us, that this church is a place where we honor God's presence and his presence shows up. Because we here invite his presence by our praise. We lavish praise upon him. We realize that this is a wonderful opportunity and it's not a waste of time. It's not, let's hurry up and do our three songs and get on with the real stuff. But let's enjoy Jesus. Amen? And I want to share something else along the same lines. Along the same lines. You know, in Hebrews, I told you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please and to be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. So praise, it's about faith. It's about knowing, you know, when I cry out to God, when I draw near to him, his word says he's going to draw near to me. And that's what it is. It's one of the highest expressions of faith. And remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But we must believe that not only does he exist, but he rewards those who diligently, aggressively, earnestly go after him. And that's what the woman with the issue of blood and that's what the blind man knew somehow. Because of Jesus' reputation, they knew if I go after him and get a hold of him, I will be rewarded. And if we can realize that every single time we run after him, we get into his presence. We get him. We get him. Do you realize that our inheritance as a Christian is God? I mean, we get God. I mean, think about that. That'll blow your mind. We get him. So we get to enjoy him. And he loves to tell us secrets. He loves to just tell you things. And in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 7, it says, Prompted by faith, Noah, being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. Now you're saying, what in the world does that have to do with worship? Well, I'm about to tell you. I feel like the Lord showed me this the other day. I've never seen this like this before. But Noah was prompted by faith. And we know that Noah was told by God to build an ark because it was about to rain. And Noah's like, rain? What's that? Because it had never rained before. God said he was about to flood the earth. There was about to be judgment. But it said, being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign. There was no visible evidence that it was about to rain. But Noah believed the word of God and acted upon it. And as a result of his obedience, 
He built a structure that protected his family and the animals, and then they were saved from the coming destruction that came on the earth. If you read the, 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 the New Testament, and it talks about the judgments and the, the things that are come upon this earth. And there's already been all kinds of catastrophes. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. There are earthquakes. There are all kinds of things that have happened that are happening and will continue to happen. And we're hearing words from prophetic people about the earthquake that's supposed to happen in, in, in mid-America. We heard a couple of weeks ago from our brother about the bomb that he saw a vision of that's supposed to go off in New York. And he's not the only one saying that kind of thing. You know, Brother Kirshner is not the only one that's talking about a bomb in New York. There's other, there's prophetic people having visions, dreams, all these kinds of things of this, these calamities coming upon America. And so my question has been, Lord, what do we do to prepare for that? See, if you react out of fear and if you let fear dictate your movements, then you're going to do all kinds of crazy stuff. You can spend hundreds and thousands and all kinds of money doing all this stuff that may not do you any bit of good. Silly example. Let's say you build this bomb shelter. Two million dollars you spend on the bomb shelter. So if these bombs go off, me and my family's protected. Because you're afraid and you're hearing all this, this noise and chatter and everything. And all of a sudden, we built us a bomb shelter. And all of a sudden, an earthquake happens right under your house. Two million dollars, gone, just like that. And so what needs to happen? And what I feel like the Lord's been saying to me, and I know I'm not the only one he's saying this to, is we need to know how to hear from him. We have to be able to hear God. If you're taking notes, you can, I'm going to read these real quickly. Uh, Psalms chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. But let all those who take refuge and put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever sing and shout for joy because you make a covering over them and defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you and be in high spirits. For you, Lord, will bless the uncompromisingly righteous, him who is upright and in right standing with you, as you as with a shield, you will surround him with goodwill, pleasure and favor. Psalms 32, 7 through 11. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows will come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are his. Hear this underlying theme, this, this common theme. One is God's protection. Two is there's a lot of shouting going on. First Psalms 33, 1-3, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make melody to him with your instruments of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And there are so many verses about shouting, shouting. It's like God is saying, huh, I can't hear you. Can you turn up the volume? Can you guys speak a little louder? I can't hear you. Do you think that's what's going on? 
You think that's what's going on? God's not hard of hearing, right? Okay, okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page with that. He's not hard of hearing. But the Bible's talking about shouting, 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 shout unto the Lord. Sing for joy. Sing loudly and gladly. Clap, making all kinds of noise. Remember the, the, uh, the blind man was shouting at Jesus and it got Jesus' attention. Jesus heard him the first time. I believe Jesus heard him the first time. He saw the man there blind. But it was faith that moved Jesus. He said, bring him here. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. So shouting, when we shout, when we're loud, when we're clapping, when we're raising our hands and we're going crazy. Speaking of crazy, remember a man named David in the Bible who went crazy before God? His wife was embarrassed. But God wasn't. And God says, that man is a man after my heart. That guy right there. Now, yeah, he did some stupid stuff. We know that. But David's not known for his stupid stuff, is he? He's known for being a a hard core worshiper of Jesus. That's what he's known for. God doesn't see you as... Your mistakes. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how he sees you. That's how he can be pleased with you and he can invite you and draw you close to him. And the closer you draw to him, you begin to see yourself as he sees you. So anyway, the point with Noah, he heard from God, the warning. Even though there was no evidence that these things were going to happen, he listened and he prepared, and then his family was safe. So what does that have to do with us? We're hearing some warnings. Now, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that I need to do practically? Say about food, store water, what do I need to do? And you need to seek the Lord, and we're seeking the Lord as leaders. Lord, what do we need to do as a church? What are you telling us to do? Because I don't want to build a bomb shelter and an earthquake happens and we waste our time and everything. But it's hearing the voice of God, letting him direct us, and then we move accordingly. But here's what you need to do as a family. Here's how you prepare for sudden calamity and danger and disaster. You become a family that worships Jesus in your living room. You become a family that worships him on a regular basis. You become a man... Or a woman that worships God, that spends time with him, draws close to him every single day. So you learn to recognize his voice. So the fear, so that your soul is not overcome with fear. And you're moved by fear. The Bible says fear has torment. If you start giving in to fear, you're going to go crazy. Should I do this? Should I do this? Oh, no, what am I going to do? What if they come in? What if, and you're just going to be going, you're going to go crazy. And the Bible says that men's hearts will fail because of fear. Talking about in the last days. Things are going to get so bad, people are going to be full of fear, and there's going to be heart attacks and all that kind of stuff. What's going to keep you from being one of those people? The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But that peace is not automatic, is it? There's a condition. Philippians, was it, 4, 6? Be anxious for nothing. So you can't take out that part and then expect the peace. 
Because it says, do not be anxious for anything, but instead do this, and then this is what's going to happen. Don't be anxious. Trust God. The results. But if you're watching Fox News 24-7, listening to all that's going on in the world and all that kind of stuff, and you're listening to all that clutter and you hear that chatter, 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 guess what's going to happen? You're going to, the fear is going to begin to rise in your heart. Now, I'm not saying don't become aware of what's going on, but if that's what your main focus is, you're going to be on shaky ground. But if you, you're kind of keeping aware of what's going on, but you are all about his presence, all about his presence. Then when things start happening, when fear starts to try to get a hold of your soul, you know how to get a hold of the peace of God. And folks, I'm not talking spirituality here. I'm talking reality. I'm talking about practical. This is very practical. Are you hearing me? This is very practical. Because we need to learn to hear and discern the voice of God. And when he says, you know, I've heard stories, and I'm sure you have too, of people being in tornadoes. They're, you know, all hell's breaking loose outside their house, and they're, they're, they could die. And there's a tornado, and things are going crazy. And the Holy Spirit says to them, move to this part of the house. And, and out of obedience, they move to this part of the house. And shortly thereafter, the house caves in, everything falls apart, and the only area that's undestroyed is where they're at. I have a friend here in the church. I won't mention his name because I don't have permission from him to share this story. But he was sharing with me a while ago how he was driving on his way to work uh, down the highway. And the Holy Spirit told him, change lanes now. He changed lanes. There was a a truck in front of him that had a, I believe it was a a grill or something in the back of the pickup. And it came tumbling out of the back of the pickup. Would have wiped him out. You know, going 65 or so miles down an hour down the road. See, that's listening to the voice of the Spirit and responding. I had a time, and I've shared this before, when I was going down 12th Street. And those of you who have lived in Stillwater long enough will remember that on the corner of Duck and 12th Street, the stop signs were one way, and now they're a different way. You guys remember that? You know what I'm talking about? And remember when they changed the stop signs, they had these big old flags and everything, because those of us who are here for a long time were used to driving that way without stopping. Well, I was driving down that road down 12th Street, and I had the right-of-way, so they, they changed it to 12th Street, had the, the through-way, and I was worshiping, and I kind of got carried away, and, and I was getting loud and just worshiping, having a good time, and I was going a little bit faster than 40 miles an hour, not on purpose, and all of a sudden... I get yelled at by the Holy Spirit. He says, slow down. Just like that. And it startled me. And I took my foot off the gas and began to slow down. And right in front of me, a car ran the stop sign and went right in front of me. If I hadn't heard him, I'd probably be amongst the cloud of witnesses right now. But I mean, just practical things like that. What was I doing at that point in time? At that particular time, I happened to be worshiping and and getting crazy and, and, you know, for Jesus and everything. I was just worshiping, but I was very sensitive. So I heard him. As we worship him and get in his presence and we come in tune to him, then we're going to be able to hear him. Amen. 
So how do we prepare as a family for the coming calamity? The practical ways, there's, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we are, we're praying. But the most important way is you need to become a man and woman who worships God. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. 24-7, 365. Lifestyle. And when we come here on Sunday mornings, and we have an opportunity to worship together. The things that we all dream about, the, the level of the presence of God that we're longing for, that some churches experience, where all people do is just walk in to the service or to the sanctuary, and the presence of God is so strong, they fall out, they get saved, they get healed or delivered or whatever. See, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I mean, who's, who's up for some of that? And what moves God? Is it need that moves God? No, it's faith that moves God. Because there's need all over the world. But when we respond to him in faith, God, I'm coming to you because I desire you. I want to hang out with you. And oh, by the way, my back hurts. you do something about that? You need to be a people that worship. And men, I want to say something to you real quick. Fathers, husbands. You know, I've been pushing music. I've been pushing praise and worship music. Kind of feel like a dealer or something. But... And we have some new CDs out there. If you will commit to leading your family three times, three times in family worship, you can have a free CD out there. It's, there are free CD-DVD combos. I use this one for $10, but men. Now, wives, you are not allowed to touch those CDs out there. This isn't, here, honey, do this. Now, you can have one for $10, okay? But men... If you will commit to saying, you know what, three times, at least three times, I will lead my family in family worship, then I want you to get a free CD out there before you leave today. Okay? And wives, leave them alone. I'm sorry, leave your husbands alone. Not like, go get one, honey, go get one. Because one, I just want it to be a practical encouragement. Just a practical encouragement. I want you to have worship and praise. And also there's CDs that you can pop in your CD player in your, in your vehicle. But we have to press in. Let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. One thing I was amazed at when I was reading a bunch of scriptures is how God really likes it. He likes this shouting business. Now, I don't understand it. We know he's not hard of hearing. But the clue I... I, the reason why I believe he likes it is because people who are shouting God's goodness, they're expressing their faith in him. And so I just want to encourage everyone to close your eyes right now. And I just want to encourage you right now. I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us to allow him to pour out more grace upon us so that we will become, so that I, right now we're talking individually, so that you will become a man or a woman of praise and worship. They just say, God, this is what I want to be about. I want my life, my existence to be all about you. And I will demonstrate it with the fruit of my lips as I lift you up on a daily basis, as I teach my children that this isn't just a time to endure and play your little iPad or, or video games while we're singing, but it's a time to engage in Jesus. We need to teach our children the value of worship. God, I ask you for that. 
that, that grace right now. And I choose you. I choose you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.